You're listening to the Philly Young Adults Podcast. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Philly Young Adults Podcast here, where we're looking to bring some truth bites, bite-sized nuggets of the scriptures to encourage you in your walk of faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jim, and today we're going to be coming from 1 Peter chapter 2, reading verses 11 and 12, and it says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. He starts off saying, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and pilgrims. So he's talking to believers, to loved ones. And it's a call of urgency. I'm urging you. There's a, uh, a real pathos behind this. And he's calling us sojourners and exiles. Sojourners and exiles are temporarily living in a land that is not their home. It's not their own. Acts chapter 7, as Stephen is addressing those religious leaders who are about to stone him and kill him, uh, he gives this long address there recorded for us in Acts chapter 7, and it gives a fly-by history lesson of Israel. And in verse 6 he says, And God spoke to this effect, that his offspring would be sojourners in a land belonging to others, who would enslave them and afflict them for 400 years. Obviously referring to the time of Israel being in bondage to Egypt, and he calls them their sojourners in a land belonging to others. In verse 29, he then goes on and says, referring to Moses, he says, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian. So we have here in Acts chapter 7, two accounts of God's people referred to as sojourners and exiles, living in a land that is not their home. And in like manner, we also are living in a land that's not our home. We're heading home, but we're not there. We're passing through this life, seeking a new heaven and a new earth where perfect righteousness dwells. But we are not currently there. And in light of that, he then encourages the believers and us to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against our souls. Now, we all have a traitor who lives within us. Even having our souls purified by the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can all testify to the fact that there is something within us that's still bent towards sinning. These passions of the flesh, as Peter states, and that they are warring against our souls. There's a whole list of them. In fact, there's numbers of lists of them throughout the New Testament. But just to name a few, jealousy, strife, envy, covetousness, sexual perversions, lust, bitterness, wrath, obscene language, drunkenness, lies. And you could name more, but that certainly gives us a good gist of these passions of the flesh that all of us experience to different degrees at different times, even as Christians. Earlier on 
in this same book, Peter said, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. So even as Christians, those who have put their faith in Christ as Savior and now call upon him as Lord and have received the forgiveness that comes in that gospel, we've had our souls purified. We still have this sinful nature that dwells within us. And it says that it wages war against our souls, or it wages war against the Christ-likeness within us. You see, God's seeking to conform us into the image and likeness of his Son, and thereby to use us as his witnesses in the world, and draw unbelievers unto himself. But see, when we give in to these sinful desires within us, what ends up happening is we just look like the citizens of the world that we profess to be pilgrims in. We almost settle down in every uh, likeness of this world that we've been called out of. And when that happens, we are then ineffective to share the gospel or to be lights in this world of darkness. So the call for us is to recognize these sinful desires and abstain from them altogether. To not give in by the power of God's Spirit within us. Galatians will tell us to put to death, to crucify these desires. That's like a bloody, murderous picture, right? We understand the crucifixion of Christ as being horrendous. And Paul in Galatians says in relation to these sinful desires that are within us, he says, put them to a brutal death. Give no place to them. Don't allow them to take up any type of root within your heart. And Peter, in like manner, says to abstain from them, to keep them far off. Because all they're going to do is conform us into the image and likeness of this very world that we've been called out of. God's heart is to conform us into the image and likeness of his dear son, who is our chief example, who we knew, we know uh, walked in perfect righteousness and holiness and many thereby came after him. So we don't have to try to look like the world in order to win it to Christ. No, the call is to be absolutely different, to live as pilgrims and exiles. And he goes on and he says then, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. You could say good and upright, worthy, or other ways that word is translated, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So notice these convictions to live pure lives before God are not to be contained only to our own personal experience. We're not meant to like keep a lid on it, right? The whole point Peter's making here is that they're to be lived out amongst the unbelievers so that they can see your holy conduct and thereby get saved. That's what I believe he means that they would see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. In my mind, the only way that God can be glorified on the day of visitation in light of all of this is if they actually see your good deeds and thereby repent and get saved. And so this is not meant to just be some Christian life that is bottled up and kept super personal. A lot of people believe that that's the case, right? They work a job. They do their thing, they're in school, but like their faith is their own and they're not going to live it out and share it because they don't want to offend or for whatever reason. But Peter's exhortation to us is vastly different. 
He says, your personal religious convictions, they begin in our hearts and are primarily worked out there, but are meant to then be made manifest to everyone around you. Peter would go on to say in chapter 3, verse 15, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you. So it begins in the heart, set apart, sanctify the Lord Jesus, the Christ, as he is the Lord, set him apart holy in your hearts. But then he then transitions and talks about our relation to the outside world, making a defense to anyone who asks for the reason of the hope that is in you. So both things are intended to be present in our lives. Deep-seated conviction in the heart, putting the sinful desires to death, which then manifests a different way of life in the presence of unbelievers. Now, when this happens, they will most likely slander you. They might make fun of you or do all sorts of other things to you, right? That's why he says that they will slander you as evildoers. That might be part of our lot in this life, living as Christians, set apart, pilgrims, sojourners, journeying through, heading to glory, a new heaven and a new earth, wherein righteousness and perfect justice dwell. They might pick at you or dislike you or unfriend you or whatever. But remain steadfast, brothers and sisters, because over time, some of them will be getting chipped away at by the Holy Spirit. And the time will come that you'll be there to share the truth of God's love and forgiveness and thereby glorify God together with them on that day of visitation when he comes again. So Peter's exhortation in a nutshell, again unto us, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, beloved ones, sons and daughters of the Most High God, is to live as sojourners and pilgrims, have a heavenly perspective, an eternal mindset, understanding that we are headed to glory. And on the path, the Lord is going to be conforming us into his own image and likeness. And we are to wage war against the sinful desires that are within us because those desires are doing the same thing back. They are waging war against the Christ within us. But do not give in. Recognize the war. Submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Crucify your flesh. Allow his Holy Spirit to manifest its power within you in putting these desires to death. And thereby, you will look different naturally in that regard than everyone else around you who does not call upon the Lord as Savior. And press on in that. If they slander you, if they unfriend you, if they criticize, mock you, whatever the case may be, you press on following wholeheartedly after Jesus Christ. And the day will come as they observe your good deeds here in this earth and your steadfastness in the faith and your conviction in unwavering tenacity, not giving in to the desires of the flesh and the pressures of this world, some of them are going to see those good deeds and that life lived out in purity. And the Holy Spirit will be working on them simultaneously. And they're going to come to you. And they're going to ask for the reason of the hope that's within you. They're going to say, why is it that through all of this, you've never wavered? And the open door is going to come for you to share God's love and forgiveness with them. And Lord willing, 
on that day of visitation, you'll be standing with them in glory, glorifying the Lord Jesus for his perfect love and his faithfulness. So, brothers and sisters, I hope that this encourages you. If you're at a secular school, if you're working a job surrounded by unbelievers, sometimes the temptation is to resort back into a hole and want nothing to do with you know, you're a lot in this life. And I think that this tells us something different. I think this is supposed to encourage us to press on in the midst of a hostile world, knowing that God is doing something and it's not in vain. This labor of love in the outside world is not in vain. God is using it. He will use it. He's doing something. And uh, it is a high calling for us to live this life out in respect to this. So, press on. Allow the Lord to use you as a vessel of mercy in this world around you. God bless you guys. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or anything at all, you can email in at ya.ccphilly.org. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. God bless.